0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of MetaViews. This is our uh, automated media network series where we're looking at the many ways in which media production is being automated, the way in which it's making uh, media production more accessible, it's making it easier for people to do their jobs, and it's perhaps making creativity and other forms of uh, expression, a uh, 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 more diverse, more expansive, more possible. It's really an exploratory way of trying to understand this exciting industry and this exciting genre. And so I am really happy uh, for today's episode to bring in a guest. Uh, Chad Teeley, who is the organizer of the AI Content Dojo, uh, which is both a website uh, in the form of a resource, but it's also a community uh, that I stumbled into and I've certainly been learning a lot from. So it's a pleasure to have you here today, Chad. And and I kind of wanted to start with the sort of basic question of, you know, how did you get here? What what was it uh, about... uh, uh, automated writing and g p t three in particular that kind of caught your attention and made you think, Wow, this is cool, I gotta check this out
1: <laughs> well, first, thanks for having me here um as far as getting into that stuff, what well, you know honestly stumbled upon it at first, kind of like probably you did, and i you know I enjoy writing, but I enjoy the ability to sort of have it generated in a sense too? Like just the the mystery of what like is it possible really? Mm -hmm. And then GPT three, yeah, it actually kind of is. So it's interesting. Well sparked it for me. And
0: and and what's your background? I assume as a marketer, because that's sort of part of your focus. But you know, uh blogging, uh social media you know, previous to this, uh, uh, as an abstract a question as this may be, what was your relationship with words? <laughs>
1: yeah, well, uh blogging basically since the internet started. Um but always in that way that we you know, like I would write something, I'd kind of have a good go at it, but always just kind of quit a little bit before it became a success or something. And you know there's a lot of times where I kind of kick myself for doing that there's some ideas I had in the past that were they should have lasted but you know quit too soon kind of thing Um and more of my background has been well ever since I started studying um, in computer science and stuff like that and my more of my introduction to AI was through the cybersecurity side of things and how AI is is uh making some advancements in that field to kind of be a more proactive defense instead of reactive. But the being in AI and noticing GPT three kind of there off to the side kind of happen too is what kind of really connected it for me.
0: Well, and and there's two parts there that I really resonate with. One, I too have littered the internet with blogs that I started and later abandoned, that I now regret and think, wow, what a wasted opportunity in in terms of the what later became maybe an interesting niche or what later became interesting knowledge. And similarly, the you know, there's a bunch of books that I've started over the years. That the first thoughts I had when playing with some of these tools was you know, maybe in the seeds of that book, I could finish it using an automated tool. I could take the argument I made, I could take the examples that I collected and organize them in a way that makes it a little easier. And and that's where I think we shared a similar uh, belief in the potential of this technology that it's not gonna replace human writing. It's It's not gonna replace the sort of need to be creative but it sure can be fuel on the fire. It can really grease the wheels of being able to write either in a brainstorming capacity or in helping you kind of flesh it out and, and, and really grind it out. So what have your writing experience been? What have some of the examples or projects that you've used these tools either experimentally or more practically?
1: Well, I mean, you, you, you kind of nailed it right there is when you first start writing obviously is the first thing to get past but once you're i mean you can even have just sort of mini writer's blocks like in the middle of all your content you know you could you could be going through your outline or if you didn't even do an outline you're kind of halfway through and you get distracted by something and when you come back you're not really sure how to finish and the ai can definitely assist with that you know even if you were to just let the ai write as much as possible and just sort of see what happens and then maybe remove it because it's not a perfect fit, but you know, it would spark some interest in maybe a tangent or, or something that, Oh yeah, this was something that would fit well with my article. Maybe not exactly that way, but I can, I can work it in. And so just being able to have some tool that is not you going out there and having to do a ton of research and make between things yourself is a huge help um as far as just being productive
0: well and it, as you sort of evoked it does play the combination of kind of brainstorm and search engine because it is acting as a kind of search engine while also playing a bit of prediction or autocomplete in terms of giving you suggestions and you know a lot of the resources that you've made available i'm just gonna uh, bring up the, your website, a lot of the resources that you've made available via your AI content dojo are, are great examples and kind of great brainstorms of exercises that you can do to really leverage GPT-3 in general. And, and here I kind of want to get to the, the, you know, the meat of what I think is relevant in terms of your research, that there's quite a range of GPT-3 services out there. So it's, it's the same back end, it's the same AI or the same natural language processing engine, but these are different applications that have created different interfaces and different utilities to access that engine and I assume that you've gone through quite a few and you've sort of zeroed in on your favorite do, do you want to describe you know what that is and why you like it so much and why you think it's the current kind of best in class when it comes to the apps leveraging GPT-3.
1: Well, I I don't think it's any secret that shortly AI is the is, is the one I've picked. There's a couple of reasons for it. Um the I mean the primary being just that it's the simplest. Um and I and I have a little bit of that sort of under underdog kind of appeal from it, you know, where it's it doesn't seem to have a lot of market, it doesn't seem to have a lot of uh you know what is it word of mouth happening around it but it's definitely it's powerful under the surface and that's the kind of thing that sort of interests me because you can get started with it on a very surface level and it'll do the the really interesting right for you type of situations where you just click the button and it kind of you know finishes your paragraph or something for you but it has more for you to discover and it's that sort of almost I mean still to this day I'm still discovering ways of making use of it and so there's a few different ingredients in there that kind of come together you know one being the blank canvas you can write almost anything you want anywhere um, and let the AI kind of assist you along the way it also doesn't have a credit limit like in the early days of all these uh, these tools they had credit limits and It's totally understandable why they would do that, you know, because every time somebody hits that AI button, it's costing that company some money. You know, they have to pay for that API call to uh, GPT-3, OpenAI. And so they were doing it to protect themselves just in case, you know, you get people who overwork their system for, you know, not paying any different prices or anything than the regular users who used it more normally, I guess. But that... That credit limit, you know, it's kind of a sting, isn't it? When you're, when when that result that comes back is not as fit for what you're trying to write, and you just you just feel like oh, I just burned through like two credits or five. Some of them they base the credits off of like the number of words returned and stuff. So you're like oh, I just burned. I can't do that much more. Um, so the credit limits types of things. It didn't have one, so that kind of got me into it too, and just compared to the other ones the most everything else on the market at the time was forms you know you would go through filling out forms it didn't feel like writing it just felt like generation of content versus writing so they're shortly sitting there alone doing the the writing thing and so that's why i gravitated towards it well
0: and and that's a good point It, it feels so much of the other apps that i've tried at least are kind of robotic, right? They're they're not really focused on you being the creative engine, right? They're more focused on treating uh, the o- the GPT-3 engine transactionally, both in the form of credits, but also in the way it tries to pigeonhole and narrow your requests. Versus shortly, AI feels like a word processor. Feels like a very clean word processor, and you know when powered with the guides that you've written, and you know especially now the Facebook group that you have in terms of the tips that people share, you can really get a sense as to how to develop a workflow, how to develop a writing flow in which you're naturally sort of evoking and calling all the different uh, 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 auto auto generation tools in a way that is not automatic writing but it is you know the difference between running and driving a car that both are getting from point a to point b Both are essentially controlled by the human, but one is tremendously faster than the other. And I think it speaks to the the kind of potential and opportunities that this stuff affords. Now, you've also, interestingly enough, gotten into looking at Shortly AI as part of a suite of other kind of features and tools. Do you want to describe sort of where you see Shortly AI uh, situated in a larger ecosystem of tools in which you know, you're using shortly AI for writing, but then there's other tools that well, as well that help shape the content experience. Can can you elaborate on that a bit?
1: Yeah, I I mean, within shortly it has them as well, right? You have the things like within the instruct command that give you the ability to invoke a lot of those things just right there in line inside of your writing. But since it is a blank canvas, you know other tools that are out there things like phrase or maybe even surfer or something if you're really into the SEO side of things they can just I mean you don't really need an integration before it you can just use those tools naturally as they were designed and then just plug them in with shortly because it's just a basically a like you said a word processor but I, I did want to kind of mention something, too. You, you you were talking about how those forms-based ones felt transactional. And I think, in a sense, they're kind of promoting that generation of content, you know, instead of writing. Like you, you were kind of alluding to there, is they've they very much try to sell themselves on, we're going to do the writing and generate the content for you so that you can just, Blast off and not do anything, and you know, traffic happens magically, and all that kind of stuff. And I think there's going to be a lot of people who realize that maybe that isn't quite so true. The best way to get content from GPT-3 is if you've watched any of my videos, you know, it's the dance.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, you write a little bit, the AI writes a little bit, kind of compare notes, and move on. You know, do, do keep doing that throughout your article, and that's how GPT-3 will. you the best results
0: well it just so happens
1: that.
0: i was gonna say do you want to elaborate a bit on that dance because i think it doesn't it doesn't only apply to gpt3 but i think it gives us a glimpse as to our relationship with ai and automation in general that it's never going to be this magic wand that takes care of everything it's always going to require a certain level of human interaction and even human supervision so I think you quite eloquently described this as a dance, right? As like a one step, two step. Do you want to elaborate on, on sort of what you mean by that?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's kind of like it's your AI assistant, right? You know, you need to have that, that sort of other person there, that other entity in this case, to be able to either bounce ideas off of, or just get into the flow or, or rhythm of your, of your creation. And so I think dance is a good way of of describing it. Um, I think the more sort of concrete way of describing it in some when you're in the middle of writing your sentence, there's a certain point where you can stop. You know, like you write your sentence and you get to the point where you're confident, you know what the rest of the sentence, you would just type, but instead of typing it, let's just see what the GPT-3 AI comes up with. And a lot of times you'll probably be surprised that it uses the same words that you would have typed anyways. And so there's the savings. And then also, I like to say just serendipity, you know, part of a good dance is it comes up with some more. And it often is surprisingly you know, good content too. And I think that's uh, why the dance is so important is you, you get what you wanted because you let it well in the dance. And then you get a little bit more out of it with a good dance partner.
0: Well, and to your earlier point, if it was a credit based system, it would discourage you from putting in those extra twirls. It would discourage you from, you know, having another song when in reality, it's that iteration that I think leverages that true creative potential. Because when I've used shortly to your point, sometimes it's taken me in a new direction and I've gone that way. Right. Because like, oh, yeah, great. I could do that. That makes sense. And I've still written several paragraphs myself after. So it's not as if it did the writing. It just said, why don't you go down that path, buddy? And I'm like, sure. All right. That looks interesting. And so I think there's an opportunity to your point for that kind of serendipity. How how do you see uh and not just shortly but the 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 genre or the field in general you know where do you see it going from here I mean I think you've already noted some copycats of shortly that other people have kind of noticed that it's a successful model are we going to have a situation where everyone's copying from each other or are we going to have some like radical departures in which we see some really interesting and creative stuff
1: Yeah Hmm. Of course, I think it's going to be essentially that I wouldn't say a race to the bottom, so to speak, but kind of that whole eventually at some point, all of the apps are going to have all of the things, you know, and not really much you can do about it because it's not like one of the tools can go out and say, well, this is mine and I patented it, you know, because it's all behind the scenes, you know, GPT threes, it's open AI's rules Um. Now, interestingly, you might see some some advantages to the early movers, depending on how OpenAI kind of continues their rules, changes, you know, the ways that different apps can use their API calls, where some of the older tools might be grandfathered into some more lenient uh, API calls, I should say, where the amount of content or the type of content that can be retrieved from the GPT-3 AI could be a little bit more... Robust, in a sense, um, and I guess this—some, some in the audience might have uh, recognized this. Especially in the early days, when a lot of tools would come up with some features, and then all of a sudden, like a day or two later, the feature was gone. And more or less, that was because OpenAI was like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! That's going a little bit too far. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want, we don't want that." And there is a stipulation in there. Um, in their terms that is, it's worded. Interestingly, it's something like they don't want the scalable generation of SEO content. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: And so they're, they're trying to kind of fine tune those rules to make sure that that stuff doesn't uh, end up the result of what these tools do, which is probably, yeah.
0: Sorry. No, go ahead. Well, I was going to
1: say, which is kind of the reason why some of those, more transactional type applications might steer more towards what shortly is doing and end up kind of the, Oh, I'm a writer too.
0: Yeah. And
1: then it'll be who's doing it in a more refined way and who's getting the results that, you know, I call it the golden ratio. Basically, if the, the more reliable, the content that comes back meets your needs, the more reliably that that application can do that that's gonna be the application people end up gravitating towards versus well, all the flashy bells and whistles.
0: And I think there is this larger notion of you know pollution in the information ecosystem, that for these tools to be successful, for open AI as a kind of platform to be successful, these things have to work, they have to be effective. And if it becomes pollution, if it becomes spam, then it's not gonna be effective because people just tune it out. And so I think there is a kind of fine line that needs to be walked and that's part of what we try to focus on in terms of the automated media network of not only how to make these tools more accessible, but anticipating what the rules might be to govern them. But the other big subject I want to talk to you about was community, right? And any technology really depends upon the community of developers behind it, the community of users, the people who really give purpose and give body to it. Now, OpenAI has been criticized recently for shutting down the slack that existed around uh, GPT-3 that allowed developers and other users to use it. They've moved towards a kind of forum on their website Whereas what I've seen in your case is you run a Facebook group that is growing, I think, uh, quite substantively. It it seems really popular. Uh, There's always new posts from a wide range of people. And I think it's rapidly becoming a very valuable resource demonstrating that, you know, communities matter. And the way in which communities kind of gather around these tools and help everyone use these tools, I think, is central. So quick two-part question you know uh what motivated you to start this community and what are your thoughts on it in terms of its success and it's sort of the direction that you'd like to take it
1: well i'm actually really surprised because i've tried these types of things before and you never really get past you know 10 or 20 people just because they happen to be friends you know and they join just because and for all of this to be taking off so fast i mean not just the website and the traffic on the website is of course it's exploding too but i mean for something that a project that's only roughly two months old it's sort of it's i mean i have to pinch myself sometimes even like fathom that this is this was possible um i imagine that i wouldn't be at this sort of juncture for another year or so at least you know but Uh, I think it's because of the AI and how the general, like, you know, people are interested in this too, but the community, like you said, is, I mean, it's, it's pretty much everything now. And I learn more from them than I do from my own experiments, more or less now I've given them the boost to, to a certain point, you know, and then they're taking it in new directions and I'm learning from them. And luckily I get to compile it and kind of maybe orchestrate it a little bit with the group, but I mean, I think the most important part is just, you know, caring about it, participating in a you know human way versus just making it you know, like, here's my new thing. Here's my new thing. Here's my new thing. Just talk to people, you know, yeah. have a conversation and, and just share yourself with, with everyone versus, you know, here's, here's the new thing. You know, I think that's important.
0: Well, and to your point, I mean, I, I think we both share a background in terms of trying to be fire starters, people who start blogs, people who start online groups, and rarely do they take off. Like, usually you get them so it's like a nice little campfire, you can roast some marshmallows, but you always dream of the blaze, right? You always dream of, like, you know, the the, the really hot community that, that is going. And so, you know, it, it is, I think, on the one hand, congratulations in this case, but it's also the right place at the right time, right? That this is you know a really ripe topic and i think people are interested in it are are you following stuff beyond gpt3 in terms of the broader kind of field of uh, automated content production and automated media
1: yeah to a certain degree um i mean the ai content dojo is not purely about gpt3 it's about uh any, anything from brainstorming to publishing to promotion, you know, all the steps in between they would take for you to do that. So any tool that comes up anywhere in that spectrum is on the table. Uh, right now, it's, I mean, the most prominent thing to talk about is, is shortly because of it has that learning curve and I want to get people past that. But before that, you know, People do need to learn how to do or get to the research phase and make sure that they're they're not just creating content to create content. They're, there's, there's a plan or a strategy or a reason behind it. So there's tools like Phrase and, and others like Market Muse and stuff out there that I guess to a certain degree they're they're AI but they don't really feel like AI like in the way that GPT-3 is. Um, beyond beyond that, you know, as far as more content creation, you have Dolly coming that's going to be creating images which looks i mean for me i would be it'd be fantastic if it could create youtube video covers for me Mm -hmm. just on the fly
0: (laughs) or even basic stock imagery right i think would be very welcome
1: for sure yeah that's i mean just seeing their demo where they say something like you know create an avocado shaped chair and it I mean, some of those chairs it creates look. Some of them look like drawings. Some of them look like renders. And they're really good. <laughs> so if that's what it's doing, yeah, that could be really interesting in the future, especially paired with something like Shortly, where you could, like you said, get some stock photo- photography in there, exactly at the point where it needs to be and matches the content.
0: That'd be, be nice. crazy. Now, what you know for your own <laughs> purposes, like where I looked at your Tokyo Spark site, which you know it's a really kind of fascinating guide to japanese culture and uh tokyo's culture urban culture uh you know what are the types of applications that given the enough time and resources that you would use these tools uh to create or to play with
1: as in terms of tokyo spark uh, or just in general i mean that one is would be i think right now it's shortly to get the content in there, right? It's in a way that, well, and actually that's an interesting um, angle because Tokyo Spark uses a lot of Japanese language mixed in with the uh, English. And right now the tools don't do a fantastic job at Mm -hmm. doing that. So it might be something in the future that a tool might, might be able to assist with or something language the the uh, the effects of different languages and stuff as far as if you're if you're writing in something and say like french like i just saw in in the ai content dojo facebook group recently uh, they were talking about being able to write in french and shortly and i think that uh, that's not the challenge the challenge is going to be how do you how do you mix the languages uh in in the content Especially with things like Japanese, where most of my kind, con- I can't really use like real Japanese. I can't use kanji and hiragana and katakana in the middle of my content because, well, most people wouldn't be able to read it. The English readers that come to the site, so you write it in something that's called romaji, which is Japanese characters in using Roman uh, Japanese language using Roman characters, and GPT three can't do that very well. And mm. it, it kind of can, but it usually messes it up, and you can kind of have to fix it. Uh, so I think that would be one thing that A- AI could do better in the future. Um, but then you got to get past the the content creation piece too. You know, you need some some better AI to do things after you're done writing. And I'm not really sure how they would do certain, um, you know, the next steps like after publishing and doing promotion, because most of them seem to be more geared toward marketing and marketer products and e-commerce and stuff, and not for bloggers.
0: Well, and, and that's, you know, the other issue, that GPT-3 is a showcase for open AI in terms of their ambitions. But one has to assume Google is working on similar technology, and Google could integrate that with Google Translate and integrate that with Google AdWords or, you know, other types of promotional vehicles to give someone the... You know, hey, we'll help you write your book and publish it and sell it and ship it to their door. You know, it will be Amazon's pitch in, in a similar capacity. Uh, do you feel that GPT and th- this, you know, is a speculative question. I don't expect you to have a, a, a well thought out answer. I'm, I'm really asking you to think on your feet here. But do you think that there are other potential competitors to GPT-3 when it comes to, you know, uh, automatic writing and automatic word recognition, you know, coming from Facebook, from Google, from Amazon, who clearly have uh, this type of technology in the works?
1: Yeah, I think uh, that is definitely an interesting question because, you know, at what point could OpenAI's GPT-3 efforts be kind of cut off at the knees right when a big player like google that moves in i mean even even though open ai is backed by microsoft now that you know i think i mean we, you already know that google has like a multiple trillion parameter uh, ai database out there or ai model out there is that ever going to be usable by you know us regular people that want to create content I have a feeling probably not. That's probably going to be their end as far as maybe combating spam and things like that within the search algorithms, maybe eventually someday being what they use to do, you know, Google answers, you know, maybe behind voice search and stuff like that. The answers you might get back will be generated by AI. There's a good chance for that in the future, which uh, might decimate a lot of blogs and content traffic that we get these days, but I think there's an up and comer, um, that's actually open source. The GPT Neo, uh, AI looks pretty promising.
0: Right on. Do you want to elaborate a bit about that while I Google it and bring it up?
1: Sure. It's essentially an open source competitor in a sense to GPT three. It's not as big yet. Uh, I think their biggest model is 1.9 or something like that. Maybe, maybe they have a 2.7, um, Is it 2.7 billion parameters? Yeah,
0: 2.7 billion is their larger.
1: Yep. Yeah, so that's, you know, inside of GPT-3, they have different, um, they have DaVinci and Curie and Ada and different numbers of parameters that they offer in their solution. And DaVinci is sort of the the one that everybody has in mind right now because that's the, two. I think it's 2.7 billion parameters inside of theirs. It might be a little bit more inside of GPT-3 but the g p t neo they don't use the same you know algorithms to achieve their their results, and in a lot of cases it's relatively close in some cases it's actually beating out g p t three and so it's it's kind of almost there and yeah. being open source you know that one could be the thing that a lot of these tools might start you know using to save costs and also maybe I think an interesting situation would be if they kind of, um, you know, paired GPT-NEO with GPT-3 in a sense where they might use NEO to help build the, the um, inputs and the prompts that are sent to GPT-3 for their results might be something to look at in the future for them.
0: Well, and this is where we start getting into an ecosystem of assistants or of, you know, agents that all interact with each other. And again, it comes back to the human and how they dance with them and how they conduct this, you know, orchestra of autonomous agents. So, you know, the last sort of question or frame I have for you, which you sort of addressed there when you were talking about the... uh, you know, I think the open source side, which is the accessibility. Like this is part of why I love the work you're doing. And, you know, I certainly encourage anyone watching this to check out aicontentdojo.com and check out the Facebook group and that you really are helping people wrap their heads around what's possible and how to use these tools. So, you know, both in your personal context but also in an open context, what do you think is necessary to make these tools more accessible and relevant to people so that instead of them being kind of obscure, because I, I feel that they still, even though they are exploding in interest and popularity, they still really are kind of niche and they still really are kind of obscure. So what do you think, you know, both uh, in terms of the community you're running, but also like the advice you would give to a company like shortly AI you know, what do they need to do to make their tools more accessible and therefore more successful? Mm. Oh, well,
1: I would think one would be time. I mean, it's just going to take a certain amount of time. There's a lot of mindset right now, especially for the previous generation of these tools was really not good. And they were more for, they kind of give that sense of spam, you know, like people are just, yeah. they, you would just generate content that was, not good, but it was everywhere. And so those types of tools were being pushed. And so now it's another AI tool to them and to, to more the real community, who are like the bloggers and the writers that, that want to write. So it, they have to get past that hurdle where the AI is not, con, is not spam content. And that sort of goes back to what we were talking about before. If if people are using GPT-3 as to generate content, they're going to end up in the same kind of boat as the previous generation of those tools. And, you know, one of the things I kind of started thinking about recently was that these AI tools, like uh, they'll make a good writer. Great. They'll make a great writer. Amazing. But they're not really going to take a mediocre writer and turn them into something special. You know, it's, you have to have that drive to, to actually, you still need to spend the time. Like you said, the human still has to drive. And you have to take that time to actually produce a a piece of content that is that I, I call I have the perfect article checklist on one of my on one of my guides. It's essentially you're not you're not just creating the content just to create it. You got to have a reason. You got to have your reader in mind. And I think that that reader in mind part is where these tools can really take advantage to get that if they can give somebody who's got that sort of pessimistic mindset about it. And give them that aha moment that okay from my perspective whether they're a blogger or a creative or maybe a marketer that this tool can actually help them and not sort of fake generate spam for them then they can start onboarding more and kind of spreading the word quickly i think
0: and i think that point about examples right especially case examples outside of you know not just spam but associated worlds of automated marketing you know whether it's in business pitches whether it's in you know short stories like i think there's a wide range of examples that the more these companies demonstrate those examples the wider their potential customer base right the wider the amount of people who might see value in time, in terms of the products that they're offering. Cause it is a relatively crowded marketplace, right? There are a lot of different options out there, which is why I, you know, personally, I'm grateful to you Chad and the AI content dojo for at least trying to sort through some of them. Do you have any uh, final or last words uh, uh, that you would offer to people interested in the area or that you think kind of speaks to the future of where you think this stuff is headed?
1: yeah i would say uh AppSumo, you know be careful of the AppSumo deals not not just because you're gonna you're, there's no i'm not saying anything about people getting ripped off or anything but like you said there's just tools coming out left and right and you don't know if any of them are going to be in it for the long haul anyways a lifetime deal might not really turn out to be so lifetime yeah lifetime and... could be a week <laughs> right and the, the interesting thing is is if you never really settle on a tool, you probably will never get into it well enough to really make true use of it. You might get something from it that you won't, like you won't reach that phase where you're dancing with the AI. And that's why I'm so into shortly and, and all that content I've created is, it will help you get past that initial hurdle of, huh, what's this? Move on. You know, <laughs> once you see it, once you get into the dance, and you settle in whatever the, whatever your tool is if it offers that ability you know that's the one you should settle in on one and almost kind of put on the blinders because i mean it's all this is only the beginning and there's going to be who knows how many more you know of these that crop up doing roughly the same thing but in they're going to say they have their own little angle and uh maybe they do that's why i'm going to keep my eyes on it you know but that's my job in the, as the ai content dojo And if something really interesting comes out, I will definitely be talking about it in the dojo.
0: Right on. Well, you know, again, we encourage folks to go check out AIContentDojo.com, great website with lots of various resources. Uh, Big thanks again, Chad, for uh, staying up late uh, Tokyo time and having a chat with us it has been really informative and it gives me, you know, a good sense of kind of what is coming next or at least what to keep an eye out for. But I will certainly continue to be an active member of your Facebook group because that's a great way to learn. And I'll post this video there uh, directly uh, uh, via Facebook so that uh, other folks can Get a sense of your perspective and get a sense of who you are and uh, show you the gratitude you deserve for providing the knowledge that you do and the organizing you do.